0: another episode of Oh Shoot. Today I have a special guest on for the episode. I am chatting with Alicia Films and I'm very excited. We're going to have a really good conversation about lots and lots of things. But first, Alicia, introduce yourself, tell everyone who you are and kind of what you do.
1: Hi, friends. My name is Alicia with Alicia Films. I am a destination and elopement videographer based in Portland, Oregon. Although for the last year and a half, I have been diving into education for wedding videographers getting started, specifically female filmmakers.
0: Awesome. Cool. So I would love to hear about how you got started. So kind of talk me through like the beginnings of it all. Um, yes. The
1: origin, the origin story. It's one of my favorite yes. stories. <laughs> I'm ready. So Okay. Okay. I was always that friend with the camera. I feel like that's always the case with everyone like getting started, but I really was that friend with the camera. Like if you befriend me on like my personal Facebook, you will see on like the old middle school albums, like seventh grade, eighth grade. I have hundreds of pictures of me and my friends, like on a flash point and shoot, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was just always that friend with the camera. Until I got into college and I was really into just traveling and I just wanted to travel the world. When I turned 18 and my mom like couldn't tell me no anymore, I saved up my own money and went all the way to Italy. And just like with my iPhone, I made like this fun little music video of my travels um, for like a two week backpacking trip in Italy. So I took like thousands of pictures, a ton of clips, and I was like oh my gosh, this is so fun. I dived into YouTube and you know how you see all those like YouTube cinematic films, like, oh, come to Bali with us. And they like teach you how to travel, but these people are getting like paid to travel. So I'm over here, like a broke college student. And I just like really wanted to do that. So I bought this, like, $400 Nikon D3300 on, like, Amazon. Oh I bought the GoPro Karma drone RIP. So um, I had those two things going for me. And, like, for two, my first two years of college, I made videos in, like, Mexico and Hawaii. And they were actually kind of blowing up on YouTube. I was like, ooh, like, who am I, you know? Okay. But, yeah. unfortunately, they were with this, like, guy that i was dating back then so when we broke up i was like nope and i deleted all those videos i was like nah i do not want that on my youtube channel what do you
0: mean what do you mean blowing up like a million views or like it was like maybe a couple hundred thousand views So I don't think any of those made,
1: like, a million views, but they were pretty amateur, okay? Very amateur, just simple, fun music videos of, like, our trip to Mexico and Hawaii. But, yeah, those are deleted. Long gone. No one can watch those anymore. (laughs) Uh
0: Dang, it! I was going to go try to watch them right now.
1: No, I'm like, nope, no one's allowed. So deleted those. And a couple months went by at this point, I'm like junior year of college. And my mom reaches out to me. And if anyone knows my mom, my mom has always worked like three to four jobs, like her entire life. And one of those side hustles was wedding photography. And I never thought anything of it until she approached me. And she was like, this was like 2018, like the spring of 2018. She was like, hey, so you have a camera and you have a drone. Why don't you come with me this summer and film some wedding videos for my couples? I have a lot of couples who are asking me for a videographer and I don't know who to refer, but here's my daughter with a camera and a drone. And I'm like no, no, no. That is so much pressure. I just do this for fun. It's a hobby. Like that's someone's wedding day, mom. Like I could never do that. And I was just absolutely refusing, but she was like, look, they like, don't even have that big of a budget. If I work it out with them, like, hey, my daughter like has never done a wedding video. If she does it for free, you know, something is better than nothing if you're down for that. And like, Mm-hmm. They were, you know, they didn't have the budget for a videographer and they were like, oh yeah, free wedding video for sure. We don't care what she has, you know? So I went with her to like two or three weddings that summer. And oh my gosh, Cassidy, it was rough. Those videos, again, you can't find those anywhere. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is harder than it looks. Yeah. And I was working again with that Nikon D3300 and mm-hmm. no audio. No audio, no lights, nothing. It was just like auto function on the camera, record, stop the whole day. It was, yeah. So after kind of diving into YouTube, I was like, okay, I can do this. It's fun. It's a lot of hard work. I feel like I can make a good wedding video. I'm just being really held back by the lack of equipment and experience. And I just have to like really make this decision if I want to do this because. I'm a broke college student and I don't have the money to invest in this. Then fast forward another couple months in September of 2018. And my mom was getting married to my wonderful stepdad and the morning of her wedding, I was a bridesmaid and I was literally in the makeup chair and she goes, will you make me a wedding video today? And I was like, mom, I literally don't have my camera. I'm a bridesmaid. I'm in the wedding. How am I supposed to make you a wedding video? She goes, it's fine. It's fine. Just do it on your iPhone. And I was like, mom, oh my gosh. Okay. Consider this your wedding video present. You know, like, so I literally, the second I got done with hair and makeup, I started going around the venue or it wasn't in venue. It's like a really nice house. Just getting like B-roll on the iPhone, getting my stepdad to like put his jacket on. You know what I mean? And so- the whole day I even had to hire like my aunt to like film the ceremony on my phone. It was hilarious. So come <laughs> the time for toasts, And I gave, okay, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I gave the best wedding toast I have yet to hear from anyone okay. <laughs> because, because my mom had a really hard, like last, like marriage. So Scott, my now stepdad is just amazing. And in my toast, I really talked about that and I made, everyone laugh. I made everyone cry. My grandma, who I've never seen cry, was crying. So everyone at this dinner was just crying. And it was such a memory, but no one recorded it on their phone. I had to use my phone to like read the toast. So no one got it on their phone. Yeah. And I was like, dang it. So when I went home to edit her wedding video for her, it just, it hit different. Like It was my own family and my own parents who were getting married and I was making this wedding video for, and I could finally see how important a wedding video is, like to hear those toasts, to see the ceremony, to see my grandma cry, like that was such a core memory. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah i think it was that moment her wedding and making her wedding video that i was like oh i want to do this i see how special and amazing this is for families and that's when i just like went full throttle into it so yeah yeah,
0: that is my origin story sorry it's so long okay no that's okay so are you full-time then in wedding video then i am i went full-time um in 2019
1: so it only took me maybe like a year to go full-time But then COVID happened and I like went back to a part-time job until I could go back to full-time. So the last time I went full-time officially for the second time was like beginning of 2021. I finally left that job and was like, okay, I'm finally back to like consistent bookings. People are, you know, getting married again. So yeah, been full-time now for
0: a year and a half. Okay. And when you went full-time, what were some of those indications that you were ready to jump into being a full-time videographer?
1: You said implications?
0: Uh, indications.
1: (laughs) Indications. Okay. So like what, what were some things in place that I knew I could go full-time?
0: Yeah. Like what were some of the things that made it obvious? Yeah.
1: Okay. So for me, I'm a big like math and numbers, girl, like every year I sit down and like project like my salary, my income, like what I'm going to be making. And it was that pivot into full time that I knew I needed something very consistent When you're a wedding videographer, you only really get booked for weddings. Like, unlike photography, where weddings isn't your only income, you also have engagement sessions, just normal couples photos, maternity, newborns, you know, whatever to like get you by. For wedding videographers, it's it's like you could do commercial work, but even that's a whole nother sphere, you know. So for me, because Mm -hmm. I was only niche to weddings. I wanted to break into the education space and have that be my consistent income. So for me, it was starting mentorship calls. I honestly never even thought of doing education until the DMS were just too overflowing. And I was like, all right, that's it. Okay. You want to get on a call with me? Like, here's my price. And the demand for it was actually really high. So I was like, oh, wow, I actually know what I'm talking about. I actually went to college for education, like ding, ding, ding. I can make education my consistent income to go full time because here in Oregon, weddings are really only from like May to October. So that Mm -hmm. dead winter season is like, there's really no income, especially if you're a wedding videographer. So Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was for me doing mentorship calls, like booking maybe four or five mentorship calls a month. That was like, okay, that covers my rent and my bills. Anything else from wedding deposits, retainers, fees, anything like that will just be like the actual salary income. Right. Does that make sense? So,
0: yeah, no, yeah, that does make sense. Okay. Awesome. Well, I would love to hear also about how you got into destination videography because on your Instagram, quite literally it says like destination videographer. So I would love to hear your story, kind of how that got started. And then also like, if you have any tips for someone that wants to get into the destination space, but isn't quite sure how to break into that, I would love to hear some of that too.
1: Heck yeah. So, I immediately knew starting like wedding videography that I wanted to do destinations because if you remember from my origin story, I loved traveling. I was already making travel films and I noticed in like the wedding videography world, there wasn't a lot of like travel niche to destination wedding videographers for this time, maybe like 2018. You know what I mean? So I always knew I wanted to do that. And the first like year and a half i was booking the very rustic barn budget weddings in oregon and there's nothing wrong with those but i definitely was like i'm destination i can travel i know how to travel like you know i have that experience just not specifically for weddings so i was constantly posting about it and there was just like no luck you know it wasn't until covid where half of my weddings got Rescheduled where, and then the other half was like, actually, we're gonna keep our date and we're gonna elope in a national park, or we're gonna elope here under this waterfall. If you're still down and comfortable to come shoot our elopement with just the two of us, we'll. We still want a wedding video of that. That way, like our family can still watch, and no one can get mad at us for not having a big wedding because we don't have a choice like the covid you know shutdown happened and it was kind of a win win most of those couples were like yeah we never wanted a big wedding so this is kind of really nice so yeah it was that like 2020 shutdown my couples decided to elope in beautiful places that i was like finally i'm getting like the destination content like i need to really prove that i am a destination videographer i can travel i know how to travel i know how to make wedding videos more like with that travel aesthetic, because again, my background was like the, that YouTube, like travel cinematic film. So I kind of found a really good balance to mix the two. So when people hire me for a destination wedding or elopement, I always start my films with like, like the sound of the creek, the sound of the waterfall, the wind in the forest, you know, like the crunchy leaves as we're hiking up to the mountain, things like that, where people were like, Oh, whoa, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to open a destination. We're going to hire you because it actually makes us feel like we're living that day again. So I knew in 2020, when all those destination, like bookings were kind of pivoting for me and I was getting all those destinations, I was like, this is my chance to show like what I, what I can do. So I did that. And then 2021 bookings were just, more destinations because at that point, people were watching those films and being like, oh yeah, we wanna hire her. So kind of a lucky thing with COVID. Um, I know that's not what everyone wants to hear, but I do have really good tips on how to book more destinations because it wasn't just those films that helped me get those destination weddings. So my best tips for destination or for booking destination weddings, um, I have like three main tips. The first one was social media marketing okay where do i begin this is such a big like topic but okay let's just specifically cater to instagram so i know a lot of people say like post a lot about your travels um put it in your bio that you travel post all the time on your stories when you travel so that it's just really in people's brain that you are a traveling photographer and videographer to that i absolutely agree Um, another thing people say is to go to those places on your own dime and set up your own styled shoots and then use that as like your Instagram social media marketing and like hashtag the crap out of it that I also agree to an extent. So for me, I backpacked Asia for five months and I did everything everyone was telling me to set up styled shoots, post about it every single day. And I did that. And to this day, it's been like two years and I've never gotten an Asia in And that was a lot of money. So it's kind of risky to do that, to just go somewhere on your own dime and set up styled shoots. I mean, if it's only for the purpose of like getting that content, if you're not actually making like a family vacation out of it, fine. But yeah, I'm just like, I'm kind of weary of that. I say, if you're getting booked for a destination, you're already getting paid to go out there extend your stay by like a day or two and then create styled shoots while you're already being paid to go there. So then it's, you know, a little bit more worth your time. It's not as risky because you didn't just waste all this money for the risk of like not being booked. You know what I mean? So I say to that, it's an extent of like set up your styled shoots whenever you do get a destination Wedding, or you're going for a styled shooter or workshop or something like extend your stay and then set up your own style shoots. Um, okay, and then my actual tip with Instagram. So that was kind of like a backstory tip, but my actual tip. So this is what I did in Hawaii. I had a Hawaii wedding in January and unfortunately it got canceled. But before I knew it was getting canceled, I extended my stay there for two weeks and I set up like four or five styled shoots. And I mean, the wedding got canceled, but thankfully, because I set up those styled shoots, I was able to use that for like some Instagram social media marketing. And I had a very specific plan with that. So all of those shoots were in like random beaches in like Kauai and Maui. And when I posted them, I hashtag the crap, but I know a lot of people are like, Oh, hashtags mean nothing. Or some people are like hashtags are everything. I'm definitely that person that say hashtags are everything. Because when I did that, I literally got booked for a Maui wedding this November from a bride who found me on hashtag Maui wedding videographer. And I only hashtag that because I had Maui content. So That helped me. I definitely hashtagged, and then my final tip with Instagram is to tag all of the venues nearby. There is no law or rule saying you cannot tag the venue if you're not actually shooting at the venue. So, for example, I did a beach shoot at random beach in Maui. Okay, but when I posted that content on my Instagram. I tagged all of the Maui venues. I tagged Grand Hyatt Maui. I tagged Four Seasons Maui. I tagged Haiku Mill. I tagged Olawalu. Oh God, I'm going to butcher that. Olawalu Plantation House. So, all those couples, when they, the first thing they book is their venue. And then they're going to look at the tagged photos of that venue to see, like, who's nearby, who are some vendors who, you know, are like tagging this venue and I'm gonna pop up and I technically had Maui content it wasn't at that venue but they're gonna find me it's just a way of like extending your reach so I also did that
0: and a a beach is a beach you know like if you're posting like photos at a beach like who's saying that's not the beach at that hotel or at that venue you know what I mean
1: Exactly. Actually, a lot of those venues are like right on the beach. So exactly, who's to say it wasn't just like right in front of the venue? So you are that is my first tip for booking destination weddings. My second tip for booking destination weddings is to build a very good relationship with planners, specifically destination planners. If you're like really going for destinations, but for me, when I made my little like pie graphic of who booked me last year and how they like found me. Half of them were like Instagram and Google SEO. The other half were referrals from planners and photographers, because again, I'm a videographer. So a lot of my photography friends refer me and planners refer me. I literally made really good relationship with one planner and she has all the bookings I've gotten through her have been like my most top package, beautiful destination weddings because she's a destination planner. And I went out of my way to make her like a BTS film of like her at the wedding, kind of setting up the flowers with the florist and kind of working with the couple. I kind of snuck some footage of that, made her a BTS film, emailed it to her after the wedding. And I said, Hey, it was so great working with you. I got some like footage of you. I, thought maybe you would like to see that. Um, you have amazing work. I'd love to work with you again. Please think of me for the next, you know, referral when couples are asking for videography and people are always mind blown by that. And they're like, heck yeah, we're going to refer you. So yeah, destination planners and just other photographers and videographers are like, they really help me get my destination booking. So yeah. yeah. And then final tip, Google SEO, blogging, Instagram is such a short content thing. If you're like really only focused on Instagram, you have to think of the long-term stuff and blogging and SEO people who are booking destination stuff are using Google more to plan their wedding than Instagram. Instagram is just more for like the aesthetic, you know, like, oh, like, okay, planning the aesthetic, maybe some like design inspo, but like actually like figuring out destination tips and travel tips and like venues in the area. Like they want articles. And if you're blogging more destination content on your website, they're going to see you as the expert and Google's going to push your stuff to those couples. And then they're going to be like, Oh look, a photographer. Oh, and she knows about this area. I'm going to book her. So yeah, that was my third and final tip. Google SEO and blogging is always king
0: yeah and I think with blogging like when you have a set of photos from a destination there is no limit to how many times you can blog those images I know a lot of the times we think like oh like I'm just gonna blog it and put like Paris France couple session and call it good but you could literally do like 12 blog posts from that photo session you could do like 5 places to take photos in Paris. Um what to do on your Paris vacation. Like literally like mm-hmm. s- and then put those photos in that blog. So I think like when you have one set of photos really milk it, you know, like just really keep going with it so that you can boost your SEO with that specific location that you're trying to get. That's like, just the idea of using SEO. I feel like a lot of people feel like it doesn't work. So, or like Mm -hmm. it's too hard or too complicated, so they don't do it. But literally like you just have to blog and talk about places, right? Like that's, that's how SEO works.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I just started blogging like a year ago and I love it I've already been found through Google and I'm like wow I made this once and I made it a year ago and I just got a wedding booked from it like that's really cool I like Instagram where you just always have to constantly post and first most people they're like I can't keep up with that you know so I'm like okay then blog so right yeah
0: okay Awesome. Cool. Well, I feel like those are some really good tips. And I feel like on this, my podcast specifically, I talk a lot about destination and like just destination work and stuff like that. But I always find it so interesting because I primarily do try to focus on like my local market. So to hear people that actually do travel to different places and like focus on that, I think that's, just a really cool perspective. And there's a lot of people that want to get into it too and don't know where to start. So I feel like you had some really good tips for that for sure. Um, uh, thank you. So, yes. So what I wanted to talk to you about for like this episode specifically, I know we're literally already halfway through, but whatever. Um I, I wanted to talk to you about client experience and your wedding experience. Um And like, your experience that you give your client is so huge and it impacts referrals and bookings. And so I just wanted to ask you like what, I guess, what is your wedding experience? Like what are some of the things that you do for your clients that you think impacts referrals and just kind of walk me through the whole, your whole experience basically, just break it down for me. With film photography being so popular nowadays, I'm very excited to introduce you to our sponsor, PhotoVision. PhotoVision is a third-generation film lab who scans your rolls of film for you. They produce consistent and quality scans, and they even offer custom color correction for your scans. If you know me, I've been getting into film photography lately and I just sent off two rolls of film to PhotoVision. They're so easy to work with and you can literally tell that they know what they're doing when it comes to film. They even offer film education on their website, so it helps newbies like me better understand what the heck they're doing. PhotoVision is family owned which we love and their customer service is amazing. They want everyone they work with to feel valued and supported, which honestly that's how I felt when I've worked with them. PhotoVision is your film processing experts since 1968 and they have an exclusive offer for Osho listeners. Get one free roll of signature process and scans using the code Osho at checkout. That's Osho with no spaces at checkout which will also be linked in the description. Go check it out.
1: Okay, I'm so happy you reached out about client experience because I just built that whole entire course about it. And the way I do it, I feel like I haven't seen a ton of people do it the way I do it because I... Again, I went to college and I did finish my degree and it was in psychology mainly. So I use a lot of the like psychology principles I learned back in my college days into my wedding (laughs) client experience. So my experience, first and foremost, is I really... Niche into that target ideal client. So for me, it is elopements and destination weddings. And then because I have such a personal brand, it is literally called Alicia Films. I am promising like myself like my soul no i'm promising myself (laughs) like i am saying i am your personal bff friend i give that energy i'm here to help i'm an enneagram too um anything you need i'm here for you like i have um it's in my pricing guide and on my website that I say i like to go beyond the professional relationship to really get to know every single couple so that I make a unique film for them and so that it feels like we're actual friends, which therefore makes you more comfortable in front of my camera and your family, et cetera. So my wedding experience, therefore, is um, very on brand with my personality. So if you stock my website, I bought a whole branding design kit from Elizabeth designs. They were amazing. And I just said, I want color. I want travel like graphics. I want my face everywhere. I want all of my brand copy to be like, yes, BFF. Yes, please. Like lots of exclamation points because that's who I am. So with wedding client Mm -hmm. experience, you have to fully understand who you are. If you're going to be a personal brand, which is most of us, because we're wedding photographers and videographers, we are the people that is literally showing up on a day. Like no matter what, even if your name is like songbird photography, you know what I mean? Like even if your title isn't personal, you're still that person showing up and like providing work. So I think having your brand and your personality being meshed together. So if you're not an extrovert, bubbly, Enneagram 2 like me, and you're more moody and intimate and you just like to have quiet moments and you're all about that, you really want to own in on that. So with my wedding client experience, every single touch point they have with me from my website, my social medias to literally my Zoom calls, it is it's matching to my brand. Like Even from the questionnaire forms, it has my logos and my colors. From every email I send, it has my brand logo and my colors. Even the final gift I send them, Cassidy, I have custom made boxes, stickers, tissue paper, everything so that even the last touch point they get with my wedding client experience is my logo, my colors, me. Like They're like, oh my gosh, Alicia, look at her gift. And then they open it and it's their custom engraved USB drive. There's a card on there that says, pop that popcorn and get ready to watch your film because I'm a videographer and I'm all about like, I love popcorn. So it's also (laughs) on my website too. It's like pop that popcorn and get ready to watch like my favorite wedding videos I've made. So it's very on brand for me. And when they go to make that Google review or they refer me, they are just like remembering not just me, but that professional brand and service that I provided them and promised them. And they're not just thinking of my personality, they're thinking of my brand. So I literally just like throw up my brand on the entire wedding client experience. And so when they write that Google review or they refer me, they're like, oh my gosh, Alicia's it. Like She, she's not only professional, but she like genuinely is passionate about what she does and she's energetic and colorful and like, they're literally speaking like on, on my behalf. And they're really just like speaking my brand, which is exactly what I want. So yeah.
0: Okay. Like what my yes, wedding client did. experiences? Okay, great. <laughs> what what are some of the um, touch points that you have with your clients throughout the whole wedding experience from when someone inquires all the way to like when you deliver the video? Ooh, okay. So this actually is different for everyone because
1: everyone's ideal client is different. And not everyone might not be or might not want to do this or put the time into this, or their ideal client might not want this, but Um, I talk about how your ideal client has different amount of touch points. So for example, elopements. They might need more because they're kind of relying on you to be the planner and photographer in one. So they might need more or they might need less. It's really a matter of like kind of reading their body language, who they are, how much they have planned already to see if they need a lot of touch points. So my touch points, like when I say a touch point is, um, the amount of zoom calls, the amount of questionnaire forms you send, the amount of blogs and articles you send them. Um, For me, when you get on the consultation call with me, it looks like this. I'm sitting in my office. I have my Alicia Films logo behind me. I'm already giving them advice and tips, asking them, tell me more about your day. Is there anything I can already like help you with? Okay. Then they decide to book me because they're like, oh, we like her. From that point on, I send a thank you present. So I'm already like I like to stay in their mind. So the amount of touch points I have based on that consultation call and how much help they need, I kind of automate the amount of touch points and like workflows in my CRM to kind of help them with that. So after they book, I send my thank you present, which is my wedding video guide. And that gives them the full like best wedding day tips, what to do during your engagement um, uh, uh, reminders on my process and like turnaround time and things like that. And then I see, depending on how far out they booked me, like let's just say a year, because that's like the average. They booked me a year out. Then I schedule like a questionnaire form or a blog, depending on how that call went. Um, it's really custom, but depending on that call, like let's just say it was a normal call and there wasn't a lot of advice needed. I'll send them a questionnaire form like six months before their day to say, Hey, how's it going? Um, the subject line is literally your number one hype girl. And then when they open it, they're like, Hey, how's it going? Um, it's me still thinking of you. Um, here's a questionnaire form in case you're still like, you're stressing out on me or if there's still things you need help, like looking for, I've had couples fill out that questionnaire for them. like, yeah, I can't find any shoes or getting ready robes for my girls. It's like, it's such small things or they're big things. Like, yeah, we're really worried about like the amount of people that are going to be at the waterfall. We just don't know how to like alleviate our stress with that. So they tell me exactly what they need help with. And then for the next like week or two, I'm like gathering all that information and all of the answers they need and sending it to them, be like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like that helps. And then I'm like, yeah, of course. I've been in the wedding industry for four years. I, I know a lot of companies and brands to like look at or articles or time and things like that. So I like just the fact that when you're thinking of client experience, you have to think um, you. Your number one goal is to not just have crickets after they book you. I think the biggest thing with client experience is that you're you're staying in their mind. If you're just like they book you, and then like the week before their wedding, you're like, okay, let's make the timeline. Okay, see you there, and then you show up for the wedding. You give them a great day of experience. And then you provide the gallery. It's like, that's the only thing they saw you for was that service. So because my personality is the helper and I'm the promising of BFF energy, I am there like to help throughout their engagement. And then afterwards with the on-brand gift box, they're like, oh my gosh, Alicia has been with us since like day one of booking her. Like that experience is just more elevated than just having no communication since they booked you up until their wedding day
0: so yeah yeah no Does that answer your question. those are yeah th- those are really awesome um like different steps and I think that if anyone's listening they really can I say if anyone's listening the people that are <laughs> listening um because if literally like if they're listening they're listening um can implement some of those steps definitely um I like the idea of sending in like a A check-in questionnaire. Like not even like for timeline purposes, but literally just to be like, what can I help you with? With that that specific questionnaire, what type of questions are on it? Like what what are you saying on that to get that sort of information out of them?
1: Okay, I'm gonna literally pull it up so that we Yes ma'am, pull that like read from it. Oh, it's called Let's Plan the Best Day Ever. Okay, so the intro of it says We get it. It can be overwhelming. Hi, friends. I just wanted to pop in to remind you that I'm still thinking of you. I'd love to help out in any way I can to find vendors, locations, or solutions to any problems we're coming across. Feel free to fill out this questionnaire form if this sounds like you. I'll get back to you ASAP on some answers because remember... I've been filming weddings for years, and I'm more than happy to help guide you through this engagement. I want you both to focus less on the stress of planning and be more excited to bring your love together on an epic day that's intentionally made for the both of you. So let's do this. And then it's a quick checklist. So check all that you are wanting vendor recommendations of, and then they can check photographer, planner, designer, catering, DJ, florist, or like stationary cards, invites. The next one is, did you have any questions regarding our wedding video guide? Um, and then like in the placeholder text that says, if you didn't get our guide yet, let us know. This answers so many video questions and how we do what we do. The next question is, what's the one thing you're most worried about going wrong? And then in the placeholder text, I said, ew, I don't want to manifest this, but maybe I can help alleviate some worry. And then my last one is, what are your Instagrams? This is where I mainly hang out. So when I find useful posts for any of these questions, I can send them your way. And that's it.
0: Short and simple. Awesome. Yeah. That's no, honestly, that's great. And if anyone listening is like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Definitely don't take that word for word, but totally, you know, just kind of like look at the outline and use it to just kind of yes, get your inspiration. Right. Yeah. Inspiration, but let's not copy that. Okay. Um, but no, that's really good. I think that specific thing, like, cause I've never ever thought about like, Me reaching out and being like, is there anything that you need help with? Because typically for my clients, I like open the door and like when they book me, I'm like, if you need anything, like help with anything, feel free to reach out. But when you reach out to them, it's like, okay, she's asking for like to help me. So I will give Uh her the things I need help with. Cause I think sometimes clients almost feel like, a burden and you don't want them to feel like a burden. Um, So if you Mm -hmm. kind of go out of your way to reach out to them, I think that that really just puts you on the same level of human to human instead of, like you said, service to human.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. You literally put it into better words than I ever could. So yes, human (laughs) to human, not so much service to human, because again, our brands are so personal. And so I'm trying to remind them that I am the expert that they hired use me. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. If there is one tip or like one thing that you could tell to someone who wants to improve their client experience, what, what would you say?
1: Okay. I was thinking this as I was like, kind of explaining everything for anyone who's listening. Um, who's thinking, Oh my God, that's a lot. Like I cannot possibly, like I'm already booking, you know, 30 weddings a year. Like I can't possibly have all these conversations happening all year. My secret sauce tip is that you don't have to be making all these touch points, like custom every single time your CRM can automate. All of these things. So when you're already in there building their project or I'm in Dubsado, I don't know what it's called in HoneyBook, but when you're making their account or their project, um, you can you're already there. Start building those automated workflows based on like what you already know about them. And from that consultation call, and you'll be good to go. That way you'll just get a ding. Anytime someone fills out a questionnaire form, you don't even know, like when it got sent, you just knew that it was automated. So you can just do it all in one sitting and then set it and forget it. So a big thing with client experience is that it shouldn't Make you more stressed. You should be doing these things because you want to. We're in this wedding industry because we want to help people and build or build, um, make or help give them memories, you know? So in my, in my client experience, I'm like, okay, I want to do these things, but I also don't want to burn out. So automations, baby. I know everyone's probably on a CRM, really explore it, get to know it, the automated workflow, like Functions are going to be your best
0: friend. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like the idea of like you can bump up your client experience, but by no additional work of yourself. Um, You know, yeah, yeah. And there's things in your CRM
1: that can make like canned messages, like canned emails, canned messages, so you're not typing those out every single automation. You can just put in the automation, put in the canned message, maybe customized by like putting their name or something, but other than that, like, yeah, less work, but uh, (laughs) elevated experience.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I think that that's really awesome. And I think you kind of touched on all the points that I was hoping you would, which is great. Um, I did want to talk to you kind of towards the end of this episode about um, selling guides and doing courses. So this is kind of more on like the educational passive income side of things, not something that I talk about a lot in the podcast, but I know I do get questions about it. So I just wanted to ask you kind of how, like, what, let's start with just like guides, like from the practical side of things, how do you make your guides? How do you sell them? Like what platforms are you using and websites and tools that are helping you do this?
1: Okay. So with my shop page, I do everything with Canva. I just like when I was starting like to digital products and guides and templates, I knew I wanted something very user friendly that I know a lot of people are already using. So I was like, Canva is just the way to go. Not everyone has Adobe InDesign or Photoshop or things like that, especially because I'm videography niched. So I just thought Canva, since it's free and user friendly, I built, I mean, I only have one guide and one pricing guide template. So both of those are on Canva. And then my website's Mm -hmm. um, shop tab, like you can even scroll down and get a free Canva pro credit, if you're still like deciding if you want to buy the pro membership, I suggest the pro membership because with both of those things, like I have videos that talk about like incorporating gifts and videos. When you're a videographer, you should be showcasing more video work. And Canva is so nice because you can just share the link rather than downloading a PDF every single time you go to change it. And then like putting that in your email, you know, it's just a link that you can copy and paste, which, okay. Yeah. That's why I use Canva. It's awesome. Then I just made my first course this year and I decided to go with Kajabi for that because I just, I did a lot of like launch coaching mentorships, I guess, and like free seminars. I like took a long time to decide which program I wanted to run a course through because courses, Mm -hmm. it's a whole nother ballgame. You have to have like a password user login and you want it to be like a really like good looking dashboard. You know, it's very on brand like education experience. It's not just going to be like a private YouTube link. You know what I mean? So I went with Punjabi. (laughs) It's definitely expensive but i think once i launched that course i was like oh it's so worth it it's so nice so right. i use kajabi for my courses and canva for my guides and templates um and right. then your other question was like how to sell right yeah right. okay so another thing um this kind of goes back to the whole like social media and google seo I do a little bit of like marketing on social media. Instagram is where I like live. And I do talk about like new products and guides and templates and courses on my Instagram. But that honestly wasn't where a lot of my sales came from. My sales mainly came from my Flowdesk membership, which is an email list subscription. That's also another big investment. So I want to like point out that when people say passive income, build passive income, it's so simple and easy. It is not simple and easy. It takes a lot (laughs) of money to start out. Like you have to buy your email list subscription. You have to buy the Kajabi subscription. You have to have your Canva Pro account. You have to make a whole nother like tab or website, I don't know, um, on your website for people to click buy buttons. It takes a lot of tech. I had to hire a lot of people, not a lot, maybe like two or three people to help me get it set up so that like the first product I made was my wedding video guide template. And that one, I had to hire a guy per Zoom call to sit me down and share screens so that he could integrate my website with Shopify and get the buy button on there and then make like all the delivery emails and like things like that be like like ready to go and good so that when I launch it, it's not like people are like, hey, I bought it and like, I didn't get anything. You know, that was like my big fear. So I had to pay a guy to really help me get all that tech integration things figured out because it's a lot of like codes and stuff. It's weird, which is not my expertise. So had to hire a guy for that. I had to hire a girl to help me with Kajabi because when I opened up Kajabi, I was like, oh my God, new interface, didn't know what I was doing. And just from those like coaching mentorships I did where they were like, yeah, Kajabi's a lot. Kajabi's a lot. Like they were warning me. I was like, well, then I'm just going to hire someone because I don't want to take the time to do this. It's meant to be passive income. Right? So I paid her to literally hold my hand for like four months to put the course into like, into like a video and then put it into Kajabi and have all the emails and design and logo and branding and everything in Kajabi. It was, it was a lot. So yeah. yeah, that was that was it. But yeah, flowdesk okay. emails, that was mainly where my sales came from. I think I got off the topic a little bit. <laughs> flow desk no, emails no, okay. was where all my sales come from. And that is something that's like compared to Instagram, it's you're getting the most direct communication and warm-up to your sales. So a lot of people in like the passive income world will tell you that every time you launch something, you should have at least a minimum 10-week warm-up, like an email warm-up. So my email list, uh, during the months that I don't have anything, I'm not selling anything, I'm not building anything, I am just giving free education. I'm like, Hey guys, I just randomly decided I thought I'd give you guys my wedding video questionnaire. Here you go. Or I'm like, Hey guys, I'm studying for my part 107 drone test. I'm going to take you on this journey for the next month. I'm going to be blasting emails on why you should get the part 107, what drones are best for wedding videography, like everything about drones. So in the time Mm. that I'm not just selling them something, I'm keeping my email list warm. And I'm building that no like, and trust. Like, okay, Alicia is not just selling me something. She's also giving me as much free advice and education as much as her selling a course or a product guide template, whatever. So yeah, mm. that's also something very important. If you're in it for the money, it's like, no, you have to have a passion behind education. And if you're going to be selling people something, I have a big philosophy that you should also be giving them something for free as well as trying to be like, hey, buy my course, you know? So yeah, Flowdesk I love. I know there's a lot of email list subscriptions like MailChimp or... Oh gosh, I know there's like a ton of others, but I liked Flowdesk because they are very pretty emails, like really pretty. Mm -hmm. When people open them, they're like, oh my gosh, this is fun. There's gifts and there's her logo and sparkles and like things like that, where I literally get emails back saying, hey, by the way, I really like this email. Like, I really (laughs) like the like graphic. And I'm like, oh, thanks. That's good to know, you know? It is a little spendy. They gave me a 50% off code for Flowdesk after I bought the annual subscription, so if anyone's wanting FlowDesk, go to my website. It's an affiliate code, but it's worth it because I'm just so bad they gave it to me after I paid for the full price. I was like, when yeah. was it when I was buying the full price. So
0: right. yeah, if you're like sold on FlowDesk like I am,
1: do yourself yeah. a favor and get the fifty percent
0: off. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, those are, those are literally all the answers to all the questions I was thinking of. Um, because I, I know oh, specifically when I was starting, yeah, when I was starting into education, I literally was like, there's not a single person that tells you this is what you should get. And this is how you do it for emails, selling things online. Like literally no one, there's not, A thing out there. So, um, yeah, I think that's really helpful and just like a little tidbit of info to have on the podcast that I'm excited that you shared. Um, But I think, yeah, yeah. So I think that's going to wrap up today's podcast episode. But I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find you and follow you.
1: Yes. Okay. So, like I said, I live and breathe on Instagram. If you want to follow me, it's at Alicia Films. Alicia is spelled A L E. S-I-A. My mom decided to butcher me for life with that. So it's that's how <laughs> you spell it. And then my in- or not Instagram, my website, you guys, is where I – try and give the most education. It's where my shop page lives. So if any of that like sparked your interest, it's just www.aliciafilms.com. Um, and yeah, and then of course I'm going to plug my email list, get on the email list. If you're wanting just that random free education to be in your inbox, whenever I have the time to sit down and get you guys that stuff. So yeah, that's
0: mm-hmm. where you can find me awesome cool well thank you so much for coming on today's podcast episode it was so great talking with you oh and don't forget to check out our sponsor for today's episode Photovision. you can head on over to their website photovisionprints.com to claim your free roll of their signature process and scan service using the code OSHU and if you want to continue your photography education further you can check out their full library of photography tips I hope everyone has an amazing rest of their day expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders. capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity, my wisdom rushing in, so much clearer now. Oh,
1: Getting a little bit higher, with every step I take I a little bit better, I'm climbing to the top, never gonna stop, I'm getting good old oh.